Welcome to the J2 Hub podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sahota, we bring you exciting real life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the J2 Hub podcast. We are truly in 2021, and my next guest is someone who I've been trying to get pinned down for quite a while. To be fair, it's me who's been cancelling on him because I've always had something going on. So I appreciate him being so, so, so patient and and kind of hanging around waiting for me. The reason I wanted to get this next guy on was because I feel he's achieved so much in such a small period of time. He's somebody who's very, very young in the game compared to some others that are quite well on. And he's got a strategy that most people kind of step towards. They don't just go straight into. So without further ado, Alfred, thank you so much for joining me today, mate. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. No, thanks. Thanks. No, it's a pleasure for me to be on here. So yeah, I appreciate you bringing me on here. So Alfred, I'm going to start. I know most people start by saying, who are you, what you do? I'm going to come to that a little bit later on. I'm going to take this right to the end. I'm going to ask you, why are you doing what you do, man? Um, it's For me, it's, it's always been something, I think, I always wanted to create wealth young. And when I kind of researched how I became wealthy, um, the, the one fundamental thing that was always amongst all wealthy people was uh, real estate or property or whatever you want to call it. Um, so that's what kind of got me into looking into property. Um, and for me, that's what I thought I'm going to try and replicate and do the same if I want to try and build some wealth for me. Um, so that's how, well, that's why I do property. But obviously, there's a, there's a why as well, like in terms of why I'm actually doing the actual property investing stuff. So which is for me is, is again, to be able to support people around me, having more time um, to do the things that I actually want to do as well. I see, I actually see properties like a, a foundation, like a, a stepping stone for me to kind of go on to do bigger things, solve bigger problems. Um, so yeah, that's that's what I'm doing at the moment. So where was your, you know, where did where did it click for you that property was what the wealthy do? Was this something you heard? Was this something you saw? Or was it something, there was a light bulb moment? It's, it's, I think the realisation came in, so I went down the corporate world, so leaving uni, um, I was working as project manager at Jaguar Land Rover, I was contracting there. Um, and after like literally year one of working, I just kind of thought to myself, surely there's more to this. Like It became very, very repetitive, like same lifestyle, same everyday routine. Um, and I was like, surely there's, there's more to this. So let's kind of dig in again and, and see what's out there. And obviously property property was something I even discussed back at, during uni. Um, and that's what kind of triggered it for me to kind of step back into that space and say, okay, what can we do to acquire the information to learn about property investing and build some wealth um, whilst I've got this good paying salary job as well on the side. Um, just look elsewhere, basically, for this opportunity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like what you said there about freedom. And you know what? The more guests I speak to is um, I find the same thing coming up time and time again. It's the whole freedom thing. And again, something you said there was there's got to be more to life than this. You know, that's I hear that time and time again as well. You know, people go into the corporate world or they go into a job or a nine to five. I'm not dissing a nine to five. I think some people yeah. have great nine to fives. But yeah. I'm with you, man. I hear you when you're saying like there has to be more to life than just coming to work, doing your thing, taking your lunch break at one o'clock and going home at five. And and then another thing as well, the way I see it is with the corporate world, my my personal opinion, 
So if, if we treat it like a, from a business point of view, whereby when you step into a role, like I was a project manager, I was looking at the senior project managers, look at their salaries. Another thing as well, I didn't even, the first time I ever came to research and what's the highest I could earn was after a year of working, which is crazy. You think surely before you even decide you want to go into a certain job role, you want to check, are you happy with how, what's the, what's the ceiling um, you can make in that job role? And I was like, wait, to, to become a senior project manager, I would need to have 10 years experience to maybe just about hit six figures. Do you know what I mean? And even at that point, it's like, it's very limited to how much that six figures can go. It's 100, 150K maybe at most. Um, so it's like, do I really want to spend my 40 years of work in a way you want to call it, only being, actually being able to achieve that level of money per year? And I was like, surely this, as a business, I can create a business. This is again, to come down to self-belief, but I can create, I can surely create a business that will generate me more money than that. Um, so that's another thing is like, I, I looked at it as like a, from a revenue point of view, surely I can spend 40 years and create something better than what I'm going to do in a corporate world. I don't know if that makes sense. Mm, no, it makes total sense, mate. 100%. It's good that you looked at that so early on as well, rather than settling. I what, late. How did you think? No, 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 no. A year in, mate. One that is early. You're thinking, oh, what's the highest I can earn in this, in this role, like progression-wise? Like, Listen, the, the, the thing is, you could have made the horrible mistake of where you just carry on going and then you start taking on commitments. You know, you get yourself that flash car, you get that higher mortgage, you got your medical insurance to pay. Suddenly you got a couple of kids and you're paying for their school bills. And then it becomes a position where you're like, oh, fuck, I can't leave now. You know, this place has got me by my balls. So it's good that you were able to establish that quite early on in your career. Yeah, no, for me, I personally feel late. I felt felt like I should, if I I wish I I I knew, I guess you don't know what you don't know and you only get wiser as you grow um, as you get older as well. So like, for me, I felt like that was a bit late. Like if I, if I'd, I don't, actually, I don't know if I would, I would have changed anything. I don't, I don't know if I'd done anything differently because I, I did. I came from an engineering background. For me, I would not change that for for anything because for me, I think it's going to make me wealthy. My mindset, the way I'm wired, the way I think, I'm solution orientated. Is everything I learned from that doing that degree? Uh, literally, I, I wouldn't change. Um, so, <laughs> but obviously, I don't know. But I just felt like I wish I'd known sooner what my earning capability was was going to be in 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 doing that if that makes sense mm-hmm, mm-hmm. alfred let me ask you a question do you think you could have climbed the corporate ladder as well as build the property portfolio of course the answer is yes but it's at what rate and what rate are you happy to accept so you yes of course you can do both you can you can build it on the side obviously systemizing it having a team in place um, it, it can, that can that can easily happen. It's just how quickly do you want to scale up and and push it. Um, obviously, if you, if you I always say if your if your mind is split across multiple things, your energy is like um, split. So it's like you, you can only push something as far as you, you yeah the energy you're putting into it basically. So obviously, if you're if that's all you're focused on and that's all you're doing, hence why like coming out of corporate world, I've, I've accelerated so much because now my only focus is property. Mm, uh, whereas mm. before it's like I was doing it and on the side and trying to make things happen as well so the, the effort is diluted um, that's the way I see it yeah no I'm with you on that mate I'm with you because I've been in a similar, similar situation where you think you can have a business you can run a property thing but something is going to give and you'll be spread too thin you know and I think where you're you know where um, what's that saying where attention goes is it energy flows or where attention well, goes. Money, my, I know money, money, money flows. Attention. <laughs> that's that's all I gotta say to that one. <laughs> Where your attention goes, money flows. Yeah, literally. I like it. I like it. Literally. <laughs>
<laughs> so, Alfred, let me take you back a few years, man. Tell me what it was like for you from the age of, say, being in high school to getting into university. What was high school like for you or what was it like growing up? What was your family background like? Yeah, so I'm originally um, from, I was born here, but um, I lived in Ghana when I was younger. Um, so I'm, I'm Ghanaian. Um, so for me, like high school times, so I wasn't like the cleverest person or like smartest person, whatever you call it. I, I was always hardworking. I always knew hardworking if you put your mind to it and, and wanted to better yourself. Practice makes perfect. So I, I was always playing catch up, if I'm honest. Like I've never been the smartest in the room. I've just, I've just surrounded myself with people that are smarter than me. And always try to feed the smallest fish in the room, basically, and, and try and learn from them and, and become as good as them. So that's how I've always been put out. That's how I was positioned back at school. Even now, like I, I, I still I still go with that and try and like, evolve, do better. And to be fair, like even if I look back now, I'm probably I, I in some cases I am doing I am in a better position than some people that I thought would be far way ahead of me, like in terms of where I where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so I think I'm kind of in a way happy the things have turned out the way they are. I think. Like everything happens for a reason. Um, like I, things, things just kind of fell in place. I, I wouldn't say I had my life even planned out like that. Like in school, I, I just kind of played to my strengths. So I knew I was good at maths, science. Among science, I was good at physics. So I, I that, that's where I kind of played. I kind of played with, and then going into like sixth form, that's those are the subjects I focused on. I took on like politics, government politics, that extra thing, um, A level to kind of tackle and see what, what that's about because I'm interested in like history and stuff um so that's what I did and I kind of just played to my strengths um to try and get me through uni uh, uni so high, high school and, and again into like A levels and get past my A levels and get into uni mm-hmm. tell me what were you like as an individual growing up were you were you quite a, a well-behaved lad or were you one of the boys or what was it like for you as a teenager I think I, I, think, I, think, I, <laughs> I think a lot of Africans can relate to this so I I wasn't one to kind of get into too much trouble. Um, not getting me wrong, I had I had parents evenings and stuff. I was getting trouble and stuff, but I was never like like in the bad crowd or anything like that. I think the fear of going home with my parents just being like upset or being disappointed in me. Um, I just I just didn't want that. So I've always kind of yeah been been yeah been around good people and and avoided any sort of bad friendship groups that things that. I don't get me wrong. I was, I was I knew bad people. I knew I knew I, if I wanted to get in that circle, I could. I was so fearful, uh, my parents and yeah, what what they would think, how did yeah, what, you know the African thing of just yeah bringing bad things to our name and blah blah blah. So it's like yeah, I was like nah, that's not for me. Yet. Let me let me let me stay around. Oh, I know them. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna keep my distance. Thank you very much. <laughs> no no, I, I hear you, man. I hear you as a, as an Asian person. I can relate with you totally. You know, you were more fearful of what your parents were waiting with behind that door when you step through that door because <laughs> you knew you'd be dodging a, a slipper or you'd be dodging literally, a stick literally, so, literally. So, so you knew you had to play whatever nonsense you were going to get onto you had to make sure it was at a level playing field where your parents would only give you a bit of a shouting rather than a beating <laughs> yeah literally literally and you know what taking it back i remember when i was a teacher i remember parents evening actually sitting there oh the worst, it, worst 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 literally i dreaded i think every Afri- I mean, anybody in general just dread- oh i don't know maybe you might be lucky but i dreaded those days because however good my year was there's always something something the teacher would say oh he's he's always chatting in my class or he's 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 texting on his phone and they're just looking at me and I'm like, oh my days, what are they saying? <laughs> you know what? What I used to love about parents evening, being the teacher, giving the report, 
all the guys that used to give it big because I worked in all of the East London schools and I worked in boys schools. So particularly yeah. some of the African lads or the Indian lads always giving it big when it was time for parents evening. You'll see the head down, their parents <laughs> falling in. And the, and I actually witnessed kids getting licks. I'm talking proper licks. Like, oh, you know, an dude. African dad beating his son. Every time I said something bad, there was another slap. There's another slap. And, you know, secretly you're enjoying it because you're thinking, this is payback, you little shit. But... <laughs> Mate, literally, I dreaded it, man. Because every time I got home, the shouting began, a beating began. I was like, "Oh my days!" Like, I'm always praying for some sort of like the, the best result I could ever get. I know something kind of sway things and just keep me keep me good and not get shouted at when I get home. But it was yeah. never the case. I always got shouted at. There's nothing. I never. I don't think there was any parent even I went to where I got home and everyone was like, oh, "Well done, well done, son. It's a good one. Well done. Keep going." No, there's always something they picked up on. Yeah. Putting that aside, mate, let me ask you, did that, did the kind of rules, you know, the lessons that your parents had in place for you, is that something that you've carried forward into your professional life today? Yeah, I feel like I, I, my parents were quite disciplined. Um, so the discipline element of just, just even like certain things, like even chores at home, like, certain, like there's no, in my house, you could not sleep past 7am in the morning. Impossible. <laughs> literally impossible so like I, I've all, I think that train that home training where I've always been an early bird like I've woken up early I'm, I'm always doing things I know I've got to do chores if I leave the house if I go to school or whatever on the weekends I've got to do these things so like that discipline alone and just being able to wake up do certain tasks um, before I even start whether it's, it's a career or whatever my business that's that's been instilled in me and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that and just certain things of just being polite as well. Um, just these, these little things where you feel like they're not really important, but you kind of, your parents have kind of instilled in you. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it helps. It helps with like just, just me as an individual person. And when I'm socializing with people, uh, how to approach people, um, be, a, be of a place for help, help as well, giving value to people. Again, massive. If you're trying to get into some, some rooms, you will come from a place of, of value, giving, giving someone something. Um, and the doors can open in ways you which you would even have thought, um, just because of who you are and how you present yourself and how you approach things. So mm. for me, those values there are just priceless. Yeah, and no, I agree with you, man. I think discipline rules are good things, you know, because uh, they create habits. I think discipline, things done over and over again, create good habits. And good habits, you know, I talk about it all the time, little good habits you know, you put the compound effect into place and before you know it, you've created a habit for life. And just moving something a little way this way for a whole year can mean you've started here and you end up there, you know? Literally. literally. And the same thing with a habit. You do a little bit of training every day. By the end of the year, you're going to be totally a different place to where you were at the start. So I hear you on that. I'm with you on that. I love the compounding effect and I'm one for some good habits all the time, man. Yeah, no, it's it's a game changer. Like, I feel like, when people struggle, if you just, I guess, a tip on like the whole kind of creating a habit, like you don't have to kind of, if you're trying to run the whole 10 mile thing, you don't start trying to hit 10 miles. You start maybe half a mile a day mm. and then just see how you progress and just make little targets. So it's like, okay, let me ask that one mile, two mile over a week. And then, do you know what I mean? You, you make those little compounding effects. Your body gets stronger, becomes easier. And, and the, the best thing of it is you start building confidence. I feel like confidence and that self-belief just shoots and you're like, yeah, I can do this. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. And that's all you're looking for, that like, mm. that momentum and mm. that consistency to keep going. And everything will, will figure itself out after that. 
Yeah, yeah. No, daily habits, little steps every single day, and you'll get to where you want to get to. Alfred, let me take you back into the corporate world for a minute, mate. So you've decided now that this, uh, you know, being a project manager for uh, Jaguar Land Rover is not for you. How did you break the news to your parents, number one? Number two, how did you break the news to the people around you at work? And what were the opinions of people at work when you said, you know what, this career thing ain't for me, this six-figure salary that I could be working towards ain't for me, I'm going out and I'm doing some property bits. Yeah, so like um, the parents one was quite a funny one um, because obviously they they, they, so they they think, yeah, Alfred's set, his life is set, we're happy for him, he's good, he's got a good salary, good job, he's, he's doing good, he's, he's going, things, things are working well for me. Like they see the money coming in as well. So then for me to then one one evening, I, I go back to London, so I'm from London originally, but I'm based in the Midlands. At the moment, um, so I go home one weekend and I'm like, Oh, by the way, no property stuff. I'm going on courses. Um, by the way, I've just spent 24 grand on a course. My mom and dad just looked at each other and said, What? <laughs> <You> done what? <laughs> and I'm like, Yeah, I was like, Mom, dad, look, at the end of the day, it's my money. One, mom, you always told me it's your money, do what you want. That's not my problem. Like, whatever you want to do with your money, that's that's on you. So I'm like, It's my money. That's, at least you jumped to that. To what she's told me in her past, like <laughs> if it's my money, I say what goes, and I'm like, if, you're, if it's your money, you can do what you want with it. So I'm like, cool, it's my money, I could do what I want with it. But the thing that I love my parents, obviously, they know I'm when, I'm, when I send my mind to something, there's very little they can do to change it. Mm. So they, all they can do is support and, and 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 kind of push me to kind of follow follow whatever it is I want to do because they're trying to say, oh, oh why did you do this? It's not it's a non-start conversation. So they just said, you know what. We know, we know this is something you're into. We know you're going to put in the work. So just, yeah, just make sure. Come on, man. Up. It can't have been that easy. Look, coming <laughs> from an ethnic family, I want, I, want, I want to hear the conversation. I want to know what your dad said to you. <laughs> no, literally, obviously they were like, oh, how would you give someone 24 grand? How would you just go and buy a house? And and yeah, and obviously all that stuff happened, but it's like, I explained to him, look, yes, I can go buy a house, but then I put that money into a house. I still have no knowledge. I, I have no plan of being able to do more. Like uh, there's still there's still a knowledge gap which I, I, I'm missing. So for me, I'd rather I see as literally the way I explain things. Like, look, it's, for me, I saw it. The way I walked myself through it was it's like another uni degree. I'm reinvesting into myself. Look, I had a uni degree, got a good paying job. I'm betting myself again to go and basically learn about property investing. Um, and for me as well, it's just the fact that I wanted to acquire information from just one individual, or a company, whatever, educational company, and just sit in classes and go through it like I did at uni. Um, to then look to build something for myself. So that's the way I kind of explain it to them. So look, I'm pretty much spending the same amount of money that I spent on a uni degree. Let's 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 just go with it and see what happens. And and they just kind of got to terms with it. Obviously, yeah, at the time it's like it's a shock for them because they're there. Obviously, they, they would have wished I gave that money to them for the <laughs> <and they laughs> go build a house in Ghana or something. Like just it's always a house in Ghana though. for me to go put it in like a course. But it just just you know what it's like it is what it is. Just just yeah we it's on you, it's used your money, so like, just make sure it pays off. That's all, that's all, that's, that's all he could say. Um, and in the work environment, I didn't really, obviously I didn't tell them about me spending money on courses, but like, they just knew I'd started to go to seminars because I'd come from um, for the seminar over the weekend. And I saw yeah. I was in a three-day course, or even on a Friday, or no, not Friday, I'll take the Friday off. And I'll tell them, look, I'm going on a course, um, a property investment course for the next three days. Um, so they, they knew, so they, they, they kind of knew I was looking at other avenues outside of work. But everyone's like good on you. It's getting day like it's opportunity out there, so why not? So they're quite supportive, and I guess it's judging your environment and and, and seeing 
if if they can su- be supportive of that. So I think you got mm. you got to be careful who you, who you tell things to because some people can just put some negative thoughts into your head and energy or I mean the energy might not be the same and you just don't want that kind of negative energy around you. Hundred percent, man. You yeah, got to you protect your space. You have to protect your space. Hundred percent. I don't like sharing. I'll share my goals with people that, that are on the same way. Like people that are like a bit fearful, maybe not the same space as me. They might start saying things in my head, which can then might me, get me thinking and get get it get into my system. I don't I don't want to hear that stuff. Mm. I want someone telling me my goals are too small. What the hell are you doing? Listen, what are you waiting for? Push it, push it up. Alfred, your goals are too small. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Literally, that's the kind of energy I need. I need I need that kind of energy, energy man. It just it just elevates me, and I, I always want to be elevated. Like I want to do more. So, yeah, that, that, that's that's what kind of happened in the space of my parents, and then the corporate world, me kind of informing them as well. But they, they, both 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 crowds were supportive. They had mm-hmm. nothing against me. They never stopped me or said, oh, "What are you doing? It's not good." Um, but obviously, they were, they were fearful of a company taking that level of money um, from me. And I said, "Look, people do worse. People spend money on holidays." So another thing is like, look. I'm going to spend 24 grand in my lifetime. But if I spend it today or I spend it in 40 years' time, I'm going to spend that money. I can spend, at this point, I was traveling like crazy. I was four times a year, I'm out of the country. So I'm probably spending on average 2K per holiday, easy. Mm. So that's 10 grand a year. So if I don't spend the money now, for me, it's like, it was a no brainer. Like, I was, I'm spending money, I can spend, I afford to spend money on the luxury to have fun, but I can't spend money on bettering myself, to educate myself, to elevate myself. How does that make, how does that not make sense? Yeah. To, to do so it was for me it was like a it was hard to don't get me wrong because i was emptying my account so i was going to, to zero at this point to kind of literally i place a bit on myself <laughs> is the rest of it like <laughs> so you I mean? so you at this point you've left your job which means you've lost your safety blanket of wages each month and you spent all your life savings no, that you've no, got. No, no 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 so this is this is no so i did this during work oh okay during work so, okay yeah, got you. it's like a year two years into corporate world i think a year and a half into corporate world I just emptied my account and said, let me track all this money. Because at that point, I had a safety net of, I'm a contractor, I'm still earning good salary, money's still coming in every month. Um, yeah. I haven't got any real responsibilities. I haven't got kids to kind of, obviously, I think I had a house at the time or maybe just about to buy a house. Oh, no, sorry. I didn't have a house at the time. I was renting. So I just, I just this is actually money. Yeah, this is actually money I was going to look to use to buy a house. Mm-hmm. Um, and I said, no, I'd rather track this into the course, um, better myself, to, and I would look to make, create more money um, from work, other avenues, um, business, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I did. I literally, a year later, I managed to recoup the money back. Mm-hmm. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't a problem for me. Like, so it's a combination of both work and, and investing as well uh, to kind of get back that money I needed to, to go buy my house first and then start to look, look at investing into other okay. assets. Before we look at how the money worked for you, mate, I want to ask you a question. So £24,000 you spent on yourself, you invested in your own education. I'm one who's with you, man. I have spent money on my own education and I like the way you think where you said it's just like another uni degree. And that's exactly what I tell myself when I put a substantial amount down for some training. You know, at the moment, I'm on a mentorship program with Darren Hardy, actually the guy who's wrote the compound effect, you know, and that's what six or seven thousand pounds for the year. But again, for me, I feel if I got so much value from a book that cost me 11 quid, how much value am I going to get from working with someone for 42 weeks in the year, you know, um, and having having him at my disposal to ask questions and to build me into the leader that I want to be for the future. So I'm massively with you and I respect you for that, man, because there's not a lot of people that will put their money with the mouth is because it seems to be 
you'll invest on luxuries and you have no problems. There's no resistance when you invest on a luxury, but there seems to be masses of resistance when you're in, you know, when you're investing on yourself or your knowledge. So I want to ask you the burning question that probably everybody's thinking, who would you give that 24 G's to? <laughs> yeah, I gave the company called, or now they're called Legacy. Um, oh, Legacy are good. Yeah, 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 yeah. at the time. They're now called Asset Academy. Um, okay. And for me, I think at that time, so it kind of came from reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So Legacy were an affiliate um, of Rich Dad, Poor Dad, so Robert Kiyosaki. Mm. And obviously my friend had researched online and he'd seen an event, a two-hour seminar, and that's what got me into that circle. And then I went to the, the, the three-day course. I was happy with what I was hearing. Then obviously there was an upsell of that into the advance um, package. I was like, you know what? Yes, it was a hard, it was a hard decision to make because, like I said, I was emptying my account to zero. But I was like, for me, I was like, I'm going to make that money back. And if I can't make that money back, mm. then it's, it's, I have problems anyways. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, true. It's not a lot of money, in my, in my opinion. Obviously, at the time, it was precious to me. But for me, it was like, it's going in me. So... Mm. It, it is what it is. Did you run to the back of the room like a little girl? <laughs> no, actually, I was actually, I was actually quite, I was actually quite resistant. So at the beginning, I was because I don't like I said, it was, it was all I had. So mm. it was like it took me a while, like it took me a while to kind of get it into my head, process it through my head, like sell it to myself. Mm. It's good someone selling me something, but if I can't, if I, I, I need to sell it to myself. Um, so I, I literally, as everything was going on, people were running to the back, signing up during the day. I was probably one, maybe one of the last people to sign up. Yeah. Because I, I, was, I still need the time to process what I'd heard and sell it to myself, why this makes sense, why I should bet on myself, why it's not a big problem to spend that kind of money um, to, to, for the opportunity to potentially make more. Um, and it's on me taking that action. And do I believe myself? Yes. Have I, have I always set something out and going to achieve the answer? Yes. So it's, this, is, this, is, this is the same thing. So mm-hmm. that's yeah. So it took me a while actually to yeah. I didn't run to the back. No, I wasn't one of the first, <laughs> one of the last in the room to go to the back. You know what? This leads me nicely onto a point I want to discuss with you. So this morning, actually, funny enough, from what you're saying, that the resistance you had from signing up, I wrote three things in my journal that I learned this morning. Resistance will stop you from taking action. Resistance will stop you doing things you need to do. Resistance kills greatness. Not yet. Yeah. You know, and it just fits so nicely how those are three things I wrote. I write things in my journal. I write things all the time. So those, my main topic this morning was resistance because I felt myself as a person, there's been a lot of resistance recently with me as well. You know, I've been resisting on doing stuff that needs to be done. I've been thinking, okay, you know what? Let me just go measure that house for the blinds. Let me just go do this. Let me just go do that. And ultimately, you got to ask yourself the question, what you're doing today, is it getting you closer to your goals or are you just wasting some time fanning around a few bits of paper here and there? So I really appreciate you talking about that, man, because it's something that I was struggling with myself. And I think people need to realize that themselves, that resistance will stop you from doing things, you know, little things like you think to yourself, you know what, let me just check my mailbox or let me just check my WhatsApp. And all these little things are resistance, 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 resistance. And it's a killer. It's a dream killer. It's a greatness killer. And it will stop you from achieving stuff. So it's great that you felt that as well when you were about to sign up. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's like I said, it's probably the biggest commitment out from my physical, obviously the uni degree is like you get it from the government. The government, uh, you're taking a loan out, whereas this is your hard-earned money and you're letting it go. But yeah, for me, it was, it was a no-brainer, man. Like, it's a no-brainer. 
And you know what the good thing is, Alfred? You're the third person to mention Legacy on the on the J2 Hub podcast. There's been a few people that have mentioned Legacy. So, it, because I think at the time as well, there's only a few. Um, and obviously at the time, there's only a few companies out there. So, like, I, I think I, I didn't, I think there was Progressive and there was Legacy, the, the big ones, like, more, more, more widely known. Um, Bro, you're going on like you're 40 years old that you've been around for years. <laughs> like, you know back in I mean, my day, there was only two people. <laughs> Yeah, no, you know what I mean. Like, like a, few, a few years ago, but there's obviously now there's like loads of property educational companies, so that you can you can you can you can market around, um, look around. But for me, I, I I went with the first company I saw. For me, it was about do I like what I see? Mm. I like what I see, I'm, I don't need I don't need to compare. I, I could yeah, I could have gone and search for other companies before making a commitment. But it's just again resistance, excuses for not progressing with what you want to do. If you like what you saw. The only reason why you want to walk out of the room is if you didn't like what you see. Mm. If you like what you saw, why why we need to we need to go and search to see if there's another product elsewhere? Or can I get it cheaper? All that stuff is relevant. So, I mean, price is what you pay, value is what you get. Mm. Um, obviously, after oh, that, you that. Take that action. I love that. So, yeah, a lot of people a lot of people think that just paying twenty four grand down will make you a property millionaire. They no. forget the <laughs> fundamental thing of having to take the damn action. Hundred percent, and even for me, like I didn't. So I'd spent this money. You'd think, oh, this guy's gonna go and and um, and go and buy a property straight away, or go, or go go yeah, go crazy. No, so I because again, I'd done this during the corporate world, so I was trying to balance the two: learning a property investment, building my confidence, my self belief that I can I'm capable of going to do the stuff that I was that I was learning. Um, but I didn't actually start investing straight away into property. So the courses I was going on to, um, I went into a course about creative finance. And it kind of taught me about money, how money works, um, how to borrow money cheaply to make more. And obviously me being me, like I'm starting to think, how can I implement this into my life? And mm-hmm. I knew I was surrounded by people who had that had money. I knew I had opportunities to maybe do something, partner with people, make money. And that's what, exactly what I did. Like the first year and a half, two years, I was investing. I was, I was borrowing money from people I knew, my friends, work colleagues, um, to invest into events. I knew I had connections, promoters that did events, university events, or even like just normal nightlife events where they would hire eyes to come uh, perform, they charge high tickets, um, prices, and we'll do an event and we're making a killing. I, that's how I mean, that's how I recruit back my 24 grand. I literally borrowed money. Um, Are you serious? That, that was actually going to be my next question. How did you get that money back? So it was through some, was it through some Bashman events, some 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 some, some <laughs> reggae events, some you know some Afrobeat events. What was going on? Tell me, man. I didn't know this about you. Um, but yeah, so I, I, I've always been in like nightlife. Like I've always known people like promoters that do events. So I always stay connected to those guys, and I knew it's a lucrative lucrative um, business. But obviously, that business is it's about track record, knowing people, connections. So I had connected with, I'd come to Coventry. I said, no, I know Coventry has a good university. It has like nightlife, um, Warwick as well. There must be a promoter, there must be a promoter in this, in this, in this um, city. So I was sitting in the barbershop and obviously the, the flies and stuff were flying around because it's just like I'm in a student area. And I, I seen an event. I was like, who the hell is a promoter? And then you find out, I got that number, messaged them on WhatsApp like, oh yeah, um, hi, I'm not interested in your, your event, but I'm looking at maybe talking about investing in some of your events in the future. I see you're doing, uh, I don't know who was it. I think it was Captain Conan they're doing an event with. And I was like, oh, let me, let me see your future events. Who will you go and like the pipeline? What money do you need? What kind of capital do you need to kind of do these events? And if we start talking, it's like, okay, cool. What kind of returns can we get? What can we do? Let's, 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 I'll bring the money to the table. 
obviously you have the, you have the contact, you've got the experience, you're established in this area. Let's 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 work together. And and that's what I did. And I, I got the proposal together. I went to friends, work colleagues, like, look, you've got money sat around, I need 20k, 15k, whatever it is. Um, and I would go borrow the money, pay them high interest, like a percent a month, which is deemed quite high. Um, for, for for them obviously earning money in the bank, not really doing much with it. They're like, yeah, that, that sounds amazing. Let's do it. And we'll go and do these events, make good, good, good amounts of money. Um, but over time, I was like, I got to a realization that I've got, I started to get to like 50K. Like one of our freshest events, we invested 50K into the, the event. So I've got to level out, borrowing that level of money. It's like, you know what? I can now start borrowing this money and using it to buy property, which provides me income rather than the lump sums we're getting from the events, which is great. But mm. at the end of the day, if the event doesn't happen, we don't make no money. And there's all these areas of, that of if the event goes wrong for whatever reason or there's a fight or something happens well, shut down yeah shut down all, all of that so it's, it's, it's a it's a high risk thing but the reward is the high risk is equal to high, <laughs> high reward um so it's one of those games you have to play but luckily that's that's what i did for a short period of time and got built my credibility in terms of borrowing funds and then i started to say you know what i've got to the point i've got the education i know what i'm doing uh, i've got the network around me support me to kind of dive into uh, property now and even not even on, on the buy to let level at the HMO level um, and just go into that oh man I love that I love that bro that is so so good so you learned this creative finance thing through, through the legacy course changer. this game is through changer. the legacy course yeah yeah yeah, yeah and yeah, then yeah, you yeah. go and put that into a an event like a like a you know a night out event and you make yeah. money back from asset hats off to you for that one man and that's, that's how you it. recouped your initial money yeah, together with obviously working as well. Um, I was I was fortunate. I was earning a good salary. I could save money from that from that as well. Um, but yeah, literally recoup that back, create a deposit to buy a house. Um, and then after I bought the house, then I was like, okay, cool. Houses, I'm settled. I know my finances. Everything's working out. Now let's 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 start let's start investing. Do you mind me asking, Alfred? How much was the first amount you raised? Not for the property, it's, just in oh, general. That is, I, I think um, maybe like ten k. 10k yeah 10k would you say it you need the same amount of effort to raise 10k compared to 100k or is there a different level of work that comes in obviously it's a bit different now in the sense i've built a a personal brand so the personal brand kind of speaks for itself so in a way it's probably on the same level um because then it it comes down to trust i don't care how big the number is someone's going to lend you because of a deal particularly or it's it's about you do they trust you they like who you are as a person so I wouldn't say it's any different. Obviously, depending on who you're speaking to, uh, for some people, yeah, 10 grand, it could still be hard to get 10 grand out of someone, depending on their level of wealth, how much that 10 grand is compared to their level of wealth. Um, so it, it, it's the same conversation, but it's, it just depends on an individual. But in terms of raising the funds itself, it's, it's the same. 10, mm-hmm. 100 grand, million pound, it's all the same. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just the number changes and the zeros get bigger. Yeah. That's good stuff. Alfred, let's talk about your first deal. Okay, so you're at this point now where you've recouped your 24 grand, you got your savings coming back in through your job. How do you structure your first deal? And let's talk 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 the listeners through what the first deal was. Yeah, so it was it was a HMO deal, and again, people like crazy, what the hell are you doing? Why the hell are you starting for HMO? And for me, it's it's about starting with what do you want to get out of property? What's your goals? Um, what are you trying to achieve out of this? And for me, I was I was earning, I was earning a good salary. So it's like Buy to that stuff, great, great security, love the strategy. Um, but for me, it didn't correlate to what I earn. So it's like I would need 
20 maybe 20 properties to kind of replace my income it's like come on am i am i really going to try and buy 20 properties just to kind of replace my income no so how can i kind of bridge the gap and for me hmo is obviously a better better strategy in terms of the cash flow it brings yes more stressful more headache more experience but okay those are problems how do you resolve them so <laughs> yeah you need more experience okay who can i get to kind of bridge the experience gap i can hire a construction company um to kind of come in leverage their experience we've done these type of products before um, and not have to literally know the ins and out. Yes, of course, you have to know some some information. But again, through your network, having that support system around you, you can bridge that gap again. So it's, it's about any hurdles I had regarding doing HMOs, who can I tap into? Whether it's paid, free, through a friendship, I'm tapping into that to kind of gain the information that I need to be able to go and build that. So for me, that, that's, that's how I was confident in going into HMOs starting out. I just leverage, I leverage people around me and network my ass off to, to understand how HMOs work, floor plans, how to create the space, how to take a, a building from maybe two, three bedrooms, whatever, into five, six, seven, whatever it is, get familiar with that. Um, so there's, there was a lot of um, research before going into it, for sure. Um, but once I knew everything, I, did, I didn't know every single little, little detail. I, I just need to know enough to have the confidence and self-belief to go, start, start and step into that space. Mm-hmm. And that's why I did. So yeah, so HMO was what I stepped into. It was a um, a conversion. It was actually a h- old retiring landlord who had this HMO, which was out of spec. Um, he just he was just looking to retire. He just wanted to sell the house. He didn't really care anymore. Um, so it actually had about five bedrooms, or still technically even six, mm-hmm. but they weren't to room sizes. And yeah, so realistically, if you were to even maybe take it as it is, it probably five rooms were where which maybe had the right size to be able to let out obviously with the updates what was the do you mind me asking what the background of the landlord was i actually have no idea i just oh you never met him i met him he was a scottish guy um but he just he was just looking to just sell and and he had a few properties which is he was now at the end of his cycle so if you look at the whole life cycle of maybe property investing Mm -hmm. he's he's gone through all of it scaled up had a portfolio and now he's, he's just looking to sell off and looking just to relax and, and have not have the headache of dealing with tenants and all that stuff, properties. Um, so he was selling off his portfolio, basically. And uh, this is one that I picked up and I was interested in. Um, so purchase price was 2 uh, to Sorry, before you go into the purchase price, Alfred, how did you acquire this? Was this some legwork you did or was this through an agent or sourced? Yeah, so it was, it was, it was a... Um, how did I... Was it Anthony? So it was, it was, through, it was, it was, it was sourced agent, whatever you want to call it. Um, so it was a guy that I'd met at a PIN network. Again, network, your, your network helps you. Um, you knew I was, I was interested um, in in getting to HMOs. And again, I wanted to find someone in the area that kind of knew what they're doing to learn from them. Mm. So he he helped me. He helped me get this one, actually. Um, you know what they say, your network is your net worth. <laughs> yeah. Um, and obviously through that, I, I built a relationship with the agent I bought from as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I got introduced to the landlord, the agent. So for me, I'm a sociable person. I'm always chit-chatting and just trying to build relationships. So even though it's Anthony Gale was helping me um, with this property, I still wanted to meet that. Oh, I met the agent, built a relationship with him because I knew I'm probably going to come back to you because obviously if I bought one off you, then you're going to like me, you're going to respect me, what well, like I can deliver. So that was key for me as well. Um, and then, yeah, so it took a while to, to get over the line because in the background, I was trying to build the funds up uh, trying to get the recoup the back recoup the money back from the events, so I had to time in a way where we finished freshers. Um, so just put timing into it. So freshers happened in September. We chucked fifty k into this event. Um, 
pretty much go through freshers. Obviously, uh, Halloween, November times, good time to kind of do events as well. Coming to Christmas, um, again, just before we exit Christmas, um, and then January as well. So the money was pretty much going re- being recycled in that um, in those events until like I'd completed on the purchase in February, but I got the offer accepted. I think October ish. So I had to kind of store things a bit yeah. and just kind of just um, just keep things going. And Some creative lying, was there? <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And that's how I met the, the the landlord because he was getting pissed off, like, what's going on? What's, why is this taking so long? What, what's the holdup? And I had to kind of calm his nerves down and say, look, I'm looking to buy this property, not messing around anything. Just just sort of one or two things out. Um, and then finally, 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 yeah, I got the keys um, to the property. And yeah, it's, for me, I was... I was still learning. I hadn't figured every single thing out. Um, in hindsight, like just the big learnings through that. For example, um, the builder control guy that that hired, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't realize you had to wait five days to get the permission to be able to come on site. Mm-hmm. So we had put the request in. They were they were in on site the next day. But what we didn't realize was because I'd gone private with the, with the builder control, the the council had come in to kind of see what was going on. And they told the guy to go outside, why are you here? We haven't given permission to be here. So, you know, what were you doing here? And I was forced to work with the, with the council on, mm. on, on, on building control side of things. So, again, this is something that I kind of dabbled into and, and found out. And obviously now I've implemented moving forward. I know what I'm doing. So just yeah, yeah. kind of arranging things in a timely, a timely fashion. Um, same with the, the build, build team. Like, it was kind of rushed because I'd left the whole, like, getting quotes, uh, trying to procure a team to come together to kind of do the works. So again, I'd, I'd had a team last minute decided I wanted to kind of explore other options as well um, and decided to move away from that team to go with another team because the only reason because they weren't comfortable um, doing the convert, love conversions. Um, they didn't have someone in the team to be able to do that. So that was the reason. So initially, the, the idea was actually to keep as a five-bedroom HMO and renovate as, as, as is. But I decided to kind of go a bit bigger with it, to go into the loft, do a rare extension because I feel like that's the real opportunity. There's, there's, mm. The numbers could improve. So the plan was kind of evolving. I didn't, like I said, I, I didn't have, and obviously now it's different. Now I kind of, I know day one what I'm going to do before I even step into the door. But with this one, um, there's kind of quite, I was kind of learning as I went along. And so the deal kept evolving um, from, from a five bed to a six bed um, plan, which involved going to loft and doing a free meal rare extension as well. Um, and for me, that was, that, that, that fit as a better end goal. Do you know what I don't get, Alfred? Yeah, just to pull you up on something, people think yeah. that they can just add value to a property by doing internal things. I've never really registered in my yeah. head. I always think, like, obviously, to add value, you need to add something on. So it's good that you spotted that because adding three meter extension on, you physically added a space on that wasn't there. So that has some kind of value, or you've opened up the loft and created a space in the loft. So you've added value there. What I don't get is when people buy a house and say, it's a four bed. I've converted it into a six bed. I haven't structurally changed much, but I've added value. No, you haven't technically. Yeah, added value. and 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 just if you're going to revalue your your property on a bricks and mortar basis, it's very hard. If the next door property has the same floor space as yours, and you've just all all, all you've done is change yours into like a more HMO, so add the fire doors, fire alarm systems, all that stuff, and maybe new kitchen, on suites in the rooms. Yes, obviously that stuff adds value, um, but they're still going to say, well, next door is this much. You can't tell me now yours is like a 200K more because you've added some on suites in there and you've, you've, you've put some fire alarms, smoke alarms. They're like, look, it, it, I mean, they're, they're going to struggle to kind of um, 
appreciate the, the uplift that you put into it or the work that you put into the property. So the, my opinion, the real true um, value you can add is change of use. Uh, so class um, planning gain and uh, what's it called? Increasing the floor space of a property. Mm-hmm. That's how you truly create create real, because at that point they can't just, they can't tell you, or there's no uplift. It's like, what do you mean? Next door is, it's, it's 20 meters smaller than mine. Like mm-hmm. square footage. Like, so what do you mean? Like there's no, there's no uplift. Do you know what I mean? So there's, there's, there's more of an argument of, and true change in, mm-hmm. in the property and what the way it looks. Um, so I always say go in, try and you plan it, whether it's through planning, whether it's through um, changing ch- change floor space in terms of increasing the, the floor space, whether it's side extension, rear extension, adding a cellar in London, creative stuff for doing double basements. Mm-hmm. In London floor space goes a long, long yeah. way. Yeah, I'm with space, uh, totally i mean you you've been to my latest hmo and you saw that basement now you know that is a usable space if you wanted to put a low down sofa in there and that is what that's about 15 square meters 12 to 15 square meters now if you put that in monetary terms that's quite a lot of money added to the property as a usable space and the same thing with the kitchen i mean i did exactly what you did halfway through the project when i had to sack my old builder i thought you know what I'm going to add this 16 square meters extra to the kitchen because it's going to make the house a hell of a lot different from everywhere else and it's going to add the value. So I feel people, when you're going into the HMO strategy, you need to think about little things like this because people are like, oh, well, you know, I've got the, I've got the minimum 19 square meters that I need. That will do. I'll get away with it. It's not always about the minimum. Yeah, I agree. It's always uh, some, some I'm, I'm providing more space than I need to. Like I mm. can choose to have more rooms in the property if I want to, but it's not about putting just getting people in there. It's about creating a product that people appreciate, love the space. Like it's it's, it's homely, it's like co-living. That's what wanna, yeah, what you want to call it. So it's spacious. It's not it's not crammed. Um, so I think if you can add space, give provider space. People want space. People appreciate space. People pay you premium for space. So mm. just just think of that as well. Um, but yeah, so just kind of numbers wise. Um, so two two five. Um, two 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 yeah two two five purchase, eighty eight k on the refurb. Again, quite an extensive refurb. So lock conversion, rear extension, um, all on suites in every single room. Um, obviously new kitchen, um, and pretty much back to brick as well. I'll say eighty percent back to brick. Some mm-hmm. places, some places were preserved. Uh, the plaster we thought was okay. Um, just try and save some costs, I guess, as well. Um. So not not yeah not I think for me that that was a good start. Um, I actually haven't refinanced this yet. So this is obviously when the, all the, the the refinance was all happening when when the market was like people were like oh um, what's it called um, the the whole caveat around COVID and knowing the future the future demand of the um, what property price is going to be like in the future. Mm-hmm. I wanted to wait. I, I waited. I, well, I'm still waiting. I'm, I'm I'm waiting to kind of again just get the cash flow in and what I'd done as well in parallel was doing was getting a planning game um, to have seven people in the property. Okay. So, um, so I've got C generous planning on that property as well. So what have you got? End, it's, a, it's a six bed. So what you got one bed as two occupants? Yeah. The loft space is big. It's like 15 plus more like the floor space is 20 meters squared, but a livable space about 15 meters squared. Okay. Um, which can which occupy two people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've got a planning game for that. So now it's seven occupant property. Which then is classed as too generous, and it's not longer C four HMO. Mm-hmm. Uh, so again, it's a unique product, and which can then allow me to open the realms of commercial revaluation and stuff as well. So I've just waited as well because I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't have the experience to, really, uh, to get commercial mortgage, and for me, I wanted to kind of pull money out, more money out, 
Um, so I've left it. I've just, I've just money's parked in there. It's annoying because I wish I, I mean, I've got deals, two, two more seven bed HMOs I can do with the so money. <laughs> let me, let me ask you a question. What do you think it's worth? Um, just under 400k. Just under 400k. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. And have you got investor finance still tied up in this? Yeah, so I do. Um, but the way I see it is all my the, my deals are structured on a long-term base. So they're okay. all on a journey with me. So when I go in pitching or how you going to call it, having the conversation with my investors are like, look, I'm on a journey to kind of build some portfolios. You obviously have money inside your bank account. Um, and again, it's, it's the people I'm speaking to. So these people are, are natural savers. They don't, they don't have time to build wealth for themselves. They just get money, put it in the bank. They've got a family. They want to focus on their career, focus on their, career, um, their families. So... They, 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 they actually appreciate this conversation when I'm like, mm. or I'm coming to them saying, look, rather than leaving money in the bank, I can buy some property, renovate them, um, increase the value, and I'm able to give you interest on your money rather than just, just pretty much leave it there in a way the money's pretty much going down to zero. Not, not literally, but well, it's going down in value. So, Mate, it's going to be negative before you know it. <laughs> so here, here's an opportunity to kind of come with me on a journey. Um, these people already know, like, and trust me, and, and hence why they're happy to work with me. So... All of them are like we start for twelve months. They just 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 renew the just renew their investment, and we keep going. So yes, the money's tied up, and I, don't, I haven't got to pay anybody back. There are some I'm starting to pay out um, early early this year, which is fine. Not not fine. I still got money around me to kind of pay them back. Um, but I'm getting new investors aboard anyways. I've got new deals coming through, um, so it's, it's not a problem at all. Um, so, so this, this project you're in for just a tad over three hundred, yeah. So you're about three hundred and thirteen. How much yeah. of that is investor finance? Um, so I had, um, so this one was, there was some of my money in there. So good, um, 20, 20 K I would say was, was my money. Mm-hmm. Um, and the remainder. So with this, obviously the, the refer money, all of that pretty much came. So a good hundred K so I had 20, a bit 20 ish went towards the deposit as well. Um, and then the rest, the refer was pretty much, uh, investor finance as well. Um, okay. That project. So you got a good two hundred what about two hundred and eighty k? Sorry, two hundred seventy k is investor finance sitting in that deal. No, no. So I, I took so this one is where I did differently. So it's, it's I've got I've got a mortgage currently on this on this property. Okay. Um, and then what is what I've done is I'd got the I'd borrowed the refund money, so deposit money I'd put together, sorted, yeah, put it into that. Then I'd got um, investor finance to do the whole entire refurb. Okay. Over a year. Mm-hmm. So literally what I've done is just, I'm just waiting to kind of refinance and pull money out. But the, gotcha. the plan is gotcha. to recycle that cash anyway. It's not going back to them. So I mean, right. it's like happy days. Luckily, in my case, I've got investors who are happy to kind of go again. Mm. And even they weren't, I would have looked to replace them with other investors who might have been in the same position, mm. want, want to get a better return. And w- where are you with a return rate as a percentage? Six, 10%. Um, okay. Alfred, it it might sound like I'm asking a lot of prodding questions. The reason why I'm asking you this is because I want everybody listening to see that, look, this was your first deal and you've literally gone out there and you got the 90K for the refurb. You know, you've got your savings, you've put your skin in the game by buying the property, you've got the 90K. And I just want to show people that this is perfectly doable if you plan this and you think about it and you can raise the money and it doesn't have to always be raised from the bank or bridging or, you know, angel finance, you can go out there and find people in your network. And I say it all the time, that uncle that you see at the parties that dresses a little bit odd, or you see that auntie that (laughs) never changes her shoes, has been driving the same Mercedes for 15 years. They are the people you want to be tapping up or places of worship. I found in a temple, I know people that raise finance through churches, you know, because those people. I I want to tap into that, that sector. 
there's too much money sat around. They don't even know what to do with it. They're looking for opportunities. That 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 church thing. You you want you want to tap into the rogue pastor churches. You know <laughs> the ones we. Yeah, you know when you get let me do you when you get off of this podcast, do this. Go and check out Rogue Pastors. There's a video on YouTube, yeah. And I can't believe some of these guys that are rolling in the peas that they're. I'm talking private jets. I'm talking yachts. And you got yeah. your congregation. You got your members paying for yeah. all this. Yeah, they have too much money. There's cash flow like that, that. That that's a business model that some churches can in America. Some churches over a weekend will make a million pounds. It's mental. Dollars. It's mental. It's crazy. Like, it's like, it's a, then you still question, so what do they do with that million dollars after? Well, guess what? They invest it. They look for opportunity to put that money into it to get it working. Mm. Or they might, in some cases, they do generally splash that money as well. The ones that are like rogue, like you're saying. So um, it's one of those things. But yeah, yeah, a bit off topic, but <laughs> relevant still. No, no, still, no. But just, just, just to add to that point that, yeah, investment, I find is all around you. You need to do, you need to talk the talk, go out there and talk to people. And I, you know, one thing you said when you came over to the, to our HMO training day was that you don't actually present the whole deal to someone. You just tell them that you need the money and it's going into a property deal. Do you want to invest? I I love that about you because you're, you know, you're literally saying to them, Hey, this is me. This is what I do. You want to work with me? Then I'll tell you about the deal. I don't need to tell you about the deal up front. And I actually took a little nugget away from you when you said that, because I had someone who reached out to me and wanted, he had about 300K to invest. I asked him for his email address so I could send him some information. They didn't want to give me the email address until they knew the return on the investor. I cut the deal off straight there. You know, I said, that's fine. We don't need to talk any further. I respect you. Thank you so much. And suddenly off the back of that, you then start getting a picture that a bank statement is coming in. Like like they're trying to tempt you that they got this kind of piece sitting around. It's like, okay, I want to pick the right person to work with. I need to ask you some questions. You know, it's not just, oh, you got the money. Wait a minute. I'm bringing a value. I think my side of the bargain is a lot more because you might have the peas, but you don't know what to do with them. I know exactly what to do with them. So I love that about you where you said you tell them about an investment opportunity and you don't actually present no deals to them. Whereas I know people who will give you a 20 page glossy pack saying, this is what uh, I do. Bloody, bloody, blah, bloody, bloody, blah. That stuff for me, I, I think because I've I've been I've literally I've spoken, I've spoken to no, this not even literally I've spoken to hundreds of people in terms of raising finance. My conversion rate is probably like maybe ten percent of that of that. Um, so I've, I've, it's like now I've got intuition. Like I just know who my time wasters are. People that are not going to invest in me. Like so, I just, I just know by the way you talk, the questions you ask, how you're typing, like literally what you're saying to me. I just know from that whether you're going to invest in me or not. And I don't I don't go in talking about a deal. I just talk about the principle of you have money sat in the bank, which isn't earning you nothing. Here's an opportunity whereby I can give you a return on your money, which is better than what you're currently getting. Are you interested? Yes or no? And if you are, great. Can you show me some proof of funds? Because again, I'm, I'm straight to the point. I don't care how you want to take it. I just, I just, I just, I just, I just put the whole I frame in again, in the sense, look, a lot of people want to work with me. They see what I'm doing on social media. They see, they, 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 they love what I'm doing. So they, they want to work with me. But at the same time, that's a lot of people coming to me. So I want to kind of just vet my people I'm speaking to to make sure they are in a position to be able to move forward. Because again, to be frank, there's no point us having a conversation you were telling me you've got 200K stuff in your property. That money isn't readily available. Yes, okay, I, I want to have a conversation with you, but it's like, you're not ready to invest yet. So we can have the conversation when you're actually in a position where you can invest. And that's the way I see it. Just, just to kind of filter the people that are, who've got money, ready to go, and people that, might have money in the future. Who I'm not, I'm not pushing away. Don't get me wrong. They're still going into a database where I'm going to touch, have a touch point in the future to see where they are with their finances. Are they ready to invest yet? 
but I'm just literally talking about how much you have to invest, what kind of returns work for you, or would you like to gain on, on, on that money if you were to loan it out? Um, and how long could you let the money go for? And, and that's what, and, and people, when people come in, I've had investors, people that I've actually I've raised money from, they've only asked me those three questions. Mm. How much you need, how long for, and what, what's my return? And I love it when I come, literally, I spoke to a guy in, on Dubai, in, in Dubai, like a week ago. He came in, a, the, the, the investor call was 15 minutes short. Mm. He, he, he seen my Instagram, he seen my stuff. Um, he saw me posting about a project. And he goes, oh no, I said that something about getting funds or like, making my money work harder for you. So like, oh yeah, I'm interested. So I go on a Zoom call with him. Literally the conversation was, oh, just tell me a bit about yourself, what you're doing. He told me a bit about himself, what he's doing in Dubai. Then he goes, oh, okay, cool. So like how much, how much you're looking for? Literally the questions after that was like, how much you're looking for? <laughs> What's my return? And then, yeah, how does it work? Because I like a loan agreement in place. I just, just send money to you. And that's like, just, just took me through the process. And that's it. There was no talks about, oh, What's my ROI on the deal? What's my personal property for? Like none of that. They don't. They don't even need to know that stuff because at the end of the day, I can sell you an idea of yes, the deal is this, this, this is the much money I'm going to make. But if that doesn't happen, am I? Can I come back to you and tell you that? Oh, by the way, because I didn't achieve my numbers, I've now lost your money. The answer is no. Mm-hmm. So it's, the, the conversation is rather you're lending me this money. Whatever happens, if I use the money, don't use the money. The deal goes great, doesn't go great. I'm still going to give you back your your money and your return. Mm. The trust is what I'm trying to build here. That's the conversation. Yeah, yeah, I, kind of, yeah. I frame it in that. And, and that's all I want to achieve out of an investor call or, or a WhatsApp message or Instagram DM. That's what all I'm trying to achieve. Because people that come and ask details or send me some more details. I say, okay, so what, what would you like to know? Tell me what would you like to know? Because in my mind, it's very simple. It's a loan agreement. Mm. <laughs> you borrow money for a period of time, you get a return on that money. That's pretty much all you need to know. Yeah. If you want to track my credibility, my YouTube is there. My my Instagram is there. You can come and physically visit my projects, but I'm not going to share a brochure with you to try and sell you on, on a piece of paper. Like that's not going to get you to invest in me. I am going to. I'm the reason why you want to invest in me. If you're sliding in my DMs, I'm hoping you've seen what you've seen what you, you've seen what I'm doing, and hence why you're looking to work with me. You can't slide in my DMs and ask me about my experience. It doesn't make sense. Mm. Like, well, what, why why do you get in my DMs if you're doubting my experience? Just, so I try and flip back on his head and say, oh, okay, cool you're talking about you're interested great clearly for you to kind of type the words i'm interested you already sold on what i'm doing mm. it's now a matter of can you trust me with your funds and if you can if you can great let's do the deal if you can't it's fine there's no problems i've had people show me their money in the bank account and yes they've got money but i know they're not going to invest in me because the way they've spoken afterwards mm. they're talking about our property deals or tell me about this deal We've gone from talking about money to now talking about talking about this deal. Like, are you here to know about the deal because you want to get in my deal, or like, are you, are you here to borrow me money? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And obviously, there's a fine line with it because don't get me wrong. Yes, it, in a way, some people know roughly what you're doing, but they don't need people start asking like detailed details. Like, mate, I can tell you any numbers I want to tell you. I can show you numbers, but it doesn't mean anything. So I come back let, to the let, point. Let is, me ask you a question, is, Alfred. Has anybody ever said to you, "You're rude, man"? I don't want to work with yes, you anyway. Yes, yes. And I've said, fine. I, 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 at that point, I just want to send a voice note. If it's like three WhatsApp messages, because I always filter through like messages to start with. Before I get on a phone call, a Zoom call, you're not even going to get my time. If, mm. I, if you can't get through a text message or a WhatsApp message, whatever, or a, a DM. So I, I, I filter that. Literally, I get straight to the point, take your leave. I'm just, I'm just so blunt. It is what it is. Time is time is precious. 
Mm. Do you know how many people slide in my DMs asking questions? Oh, let's work together. Let's do a JV. I, I, I tell him JV is not for me. Mm. It's just not for me. On a larger scale, great, I'll do that. But on this type of project, it's not for me. I'm offering fixed return. If that's something you're interested in, let me know. We can work together. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I've done that. And some people took it the wrong way and said, oh, um, some guy actually sent me someone else's brochure. said, this is what you're meant to send if you're seeking investment. I was like, I, this, I go on a voice and I said, look, I appreciate that's what others do. Person, this is how I work. I vet every person I speak to. Everybody has money. There's no sources of money out there. And I just want to know that people I'm speaking to are in a position, position to invest and are actually genuinely willing to invest with me. Mm-hmm. And until I can, I, can, I can understand that or get a confidence that person is, I don't want to invest my time into having a conversation about something because I've done it in the past. I spent hours on a phone to call, phone call to someone that had, person had no intention of investing in me. They just wanted to pick my brain, how my deal works, how I'm structuring it. I'm like, what's that going to do with you growing me money? Yeah. No, I hear and you, I'm going man. a bit deep into it, but it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a big topic for me, man. Honestly. No, no, no. I feel you, man. I feel you. I know you're quite passionate about this as well because you know what? I I pers- I have a six-page brochure that goes out, yeah. but I'll tell you why I, why I do this. I'm, I'm like you. I'm a conversation person. I like to build relationships and I like to speak to people and see if I can work with them. But recently, I've started dropping this brochure out because what my uh, CRM system allows me to do is it allows me to see how much time someone spent on that brochure, how many times they've opened it and what pages they are looking at. Now, I know before I call them, if they sat on page four for a couple of minutes, they're interested because that's the page that talks about the returns, how the loan agreement works. And it's me psychologically trying to work out what's going on in their mailbox. So they can't feed me shit. They can't say, oh, James, I haven't seen it. I can say you opened it 21 times and you read page four (laughs) for nine minutes. You know, and then suddenly they're like, oh, shit, this guy knows what I'm doing. You know, this guy's not wasting his time. So the only reason why I send the brochure out is so I can I haven't done it recently, but I do do it so I can monitor what's going on. And again, it's like you filter out the time wasters, filter out the people that are just there to pick your brains uh, and go with the people that are genuinely the ones that, you know, don't have time to make their money grow. They just want to give it to someone, watch it grow and move on to the next deal. Yeah, and I think it's about finding, I think Americans call it finding, like, like coming up with your avatar. Who's your ideal investor? Mm. Right, literally write it down. My, my ideal investor is a busy working professional, family orientated, is even a, a plus, career orientated. I know they have no time to look on the stock market. I know they have no time to look at business opportunities. They just want to kind of park and forget. They should park some of their wealth. They'll give you maybe 25% of what they, what they have around them. Here you go. Maybe some money. Thank you very much. Yes, I don't, I don't. I don't even speak to my investors. Mm. I genuinely don't speak to my investors, and I love that. It's like they trust me to get on with it. The social media stuff is there. If they're keeping tabs, I don't know if they're keeping tabs. I have no idea. It doesn't concern me. I know I'm going to give them back their money. I know they're still getting the interest off me. So it's like it's it's working. So it, it, you know I mean, and it's for me, it's, it's beautiful. I, and that's my ideal, my ideal um, investor. And just just one last point before I move on. I've had people when someone starts kind of throwing the security thing on especially on the, on the lower investment end for me that's a red flag you're someone i don't want to work with simply because you have a fear of losing that money which would then leads lead me to feel that that's probably all you have yeah. i don't want to take someone's of all they all they have i want if you're borrowing me 20 30k i want to say to be 15 percent, 20 percent of all you have so if something does go wrong so for example the current climate nobody knows where it's going to go mm. i know my current investors aren't going to call me to say alfred is my money safe when COVID happened, not a single one of my investors called me to say it's my money safe, and that that get I, I just I, I appreciate them even more because I knew 
they're people that this money is something they can live without. And mm-hmm. that's who I want my Because any investment is a risk. Don't let anybody tell you different. Yes, I'm not, I have no intention of not giving the person back their money. I'm going to do whatever it takes. If I have to even sell my assets to give back the money, I'm doing that. But the point is, like, there's still that element of things can happen. So mm-hmm. you, you shouldn't give someone your life savings and money potentially depend on for, for just in case something does go wrong. Yeah. You just yeah. can't predict the future. Do you know what I mean? Um, so just, just, just that tip as well for anyone listening. No, no, that's a, that's a very good tip, man. Alfred, before I wrap this up, I want to do a quick little exercise with you. So I noticed uh, this weekend you posted, can you raise £100,000 this weekend? Yes. Oh, so <laughs> I want to do a little role play, hey, man. Yeah, so here I am, Mr. James. I've got the 100K that you want. Come on, let's do the role play. Sell this to me. I'm your investor here on the podcast. Tell me what you're going to do for me. Sell it to me as if you don't know me. Listen, for me... It's, it's, it's actually the other way around. I don't, I don't, I don't need to sell it to you. Mm-hmm. What I post out there is what sells it to you. So I don't go out, go into like I'm not going to go to James. James, I have this opportunity. Would you want to invest? No, I just post the stuff out. I kind of make it open ended so that you come to me. Listen, you ain't, you ain't getting out of this this easily. So let's <laughs> let me rephrase that. So your network, somebody in your network has said, oh. Uh, James is looking to invest his money. He he's seen a little bit of your stuff on the social media. He's good to go. He wants to have a conversation. We're having that conversation. All right, cool. So James, um, I'm told you're looking at investing your money for a return. So like, what? Tell me, like, what your goals? What are you trying to achieve with your money? Let's start with that. Like, what, what are you trying to achieve with your 100k? Oh well, I tell you what it is, Alfred. I've got all this money sitting here. You know, I've I've had a corporate job for a long, long time, and. Um, I just don't know what to do with it, mate. You know, I'm I'm earning good money. I earn about 12 grand a month. It goes in there and it's just getting saved. I don't know, you know, I want my money to grow. I want something for my kids, but I don't just want to be parking cash up. Like, that's where I am with it. Okay, good. And and obviously currently now, what, what are you what are you currently earning on that money? Um, well, not a lot, mate. You know, the banks are giving me what, 0.0 something. It's just sitting there, it's doing nothing for me. And if you were to let go of that money, like how much of that money, how much proportion of that money would you be willing to kind of let go for a period of 12 months, for example? Um, I think I could trial you about £75,000, I say, you know. Okay. And then what would you want in return for that? Like what would work for you? Well, I, I don't know, about 12%. So 12% um, is a great, a great return. Don't get me wrong. Um, but me personally, it's not something something I offer to my investors. Um, on a 75k investment, I would normally offer around seven to eight percent. Um, that's where I would position myself. And just simply because the deals that I work with, that's what I can safely say I can return to you. So I don't want to take the top. I don't want to take your money off you. And I promise you, I'm gonna, I can, I'm going to pay you 12 percent on your money, um, especially when a deal doesn't allow me to pay that 12 percent. Because at the end of the day, I want to make sure your money is safeguarded. So for me, if you want to work with me. The seven to eight percent, we can definitely make that happen. I don't want to use the word guarantee, but the security in in, in that. And I'm more comfortable with taking that money and pretty much be able to reassure you that I can get your money back to you in your safe hands um, for that period of time. So if that works for you, then more than happy to kind of. Alfred, if I could give you the money, say in 48 hours, could you go to nine percent? Literally, I would love to. Like I said, it's it's the deal. Um, I don't, I don't want to make promises um, regarding me being able to promise a, a 9% return. 
But what I can do is we can we can we can go on the seven percent. If the deal works out at the end of the year and things go great, I can I can look to giving that one extra percent um, to kind of give show my gratitude for obviously you working with me. Um, so if that works for you, then you'll be happy. But you just said forward. seven to eight percent, so I automatically thought I'd be getting eight <laughs> percent. You can obviously you can you can you can get the eight percent, but if you want to stretch the boundaries, I can't I can't commit to that extra one percent above the eight percent. But I can commit to eight percent return over twelve months, um, and if things go well and it's a good year, by all means, I can I can show my gratitude by offering that one percent extra. If that makes you happy, but it would need to be a going in point of max eight percent. Okay, and um, when does the interest roll up at the end? I give you a lump sum. You give me a lump sum back. Um, so ideally, I would want to um, obviously service the the the, the, the repayment. Um, at the end of the term, um, but at the end of the day, it works for you. Like what works for you? So you gotta let me know. Like if you ha- if you if there's someone that doesn't need the money, the cash flow from it coming in every month, um, then I would ideally want to do it, roll it up to the end of the year and pay all of it up at the end. Again, if you feel like you maybe want some money coming in, just kind of see things coming in. Uh, we can structure maybe monthly or quarterly or something, something that works for you. So I'm happy to kind of agree terms on that. I'm not I'm not too um, fast on that. No, I'm, I'm I'm happy to roll it up to the end. All right, perfect. So, when do you want me to? Um, I guess when when you when are you in a position to proceed with this? I can send you the loan agreement to show you a draft of what the proposal is, how the loan agreement, what the dates. Send the me the loan agreement over and let's get this done. All right, cheers. Thank you, James. Nice working with you, mate. Oh wow! Look at that, mate. Look at that. Now I was genuinely sold there, mate. I was genuinely sold. I liked how you. I liked how you tactfully answered some of the questions around interest, especially where you said you would love to go to that amount, but you can't because the deal doesn't allow you, and I don't want to lose your money or promise you something that can't happen. I liked how you used the word guarantee in there. That was superb as well. I can't guarantee you. So you've made you've you've really managed my expectations before we've even gone any further. And, and that's the aim. You're trying to manage expectation, trying to keep them informed of what can happen um, and what the possibility is. So just you've been up front. the way I put it. Alfred, I've loved it, mate. We have gone an hour and 10 over what we were, 10, hour and 10 minutes on the podcast already. I think you've dropped some massive value there. Um, I'm going to wrap it up here. And I know we do the Sunday. We started something new every Sunday where me, Alfred and Craig get together on Clubhouse, you know, another new yes. app where we're going to be talking about all things HMO. So just watch out for that on our social media. And lastly, Alfred, I want to ask you a question. If you could go back to an 18-year-old Alfred and give yourself one bit of advice, what would that advice be? Read, 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 read. That's the only thing I feel like that changed my life massively i didn't start reading books like business books personal development books till i was the age 23 i think 20 mm-hmm. 22 20 maybe 22 um ish um and that's where i evolved i started to make big leaps um i started to learn things so like for me le- reading massive massive i wish i'd read some books that i'm reading now at the age of 10 five whatever i mean i can start reading <laughs> i noticed i noticed we're actually we're actually going through the same book at the moment i saw it on your social media your next five moves yeah next five moves yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i'm no. actually i'm actually three quarters of the way through that one as well no good girl i love i love pat Bear dave the guy 
he is one of the best persons to kind of like explain things. He mm. really, really breaks it down. So it's so understandable. Like anybody can understand it. He's not, I mean, he's not talking jargon or he's, he's very, very simple to understand. I just, I just love the way he presents information. It's, it's yeah, it's easy to, to digest. Mm. Uh, so yeah, no, great book. If you haven't checked it out, guys, definitely worth one. Worth, worth checking for sure. Alfred, one last question to you that just popped into my head. Are you a Bitcoin man? Ooh. <laughs> or are you solely on the one investment? So you know what it is? Five years, I think five years ago, I bought a Litecoin. That's the only cryptocurrency coin I had. I, I just sold it recently. And it, was, it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't making any money. It's it just something I, part, I bought and forgot about. Um, but I was, I was close to buying Ethereum this weekend. Oh, no, 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 a few days ago when, when a dip happened, that like 20-30% dip. Mm-hmm. I was close to trying to buy it, maybe at 700, 700 pounds. Um, just one coin, just to kind of have that one coin. But I, I wouldn't put money into Bitcoin now because I feel like the growth is there. Um, I, I wouldn't put like a thousand pound and if it has to double, it has to go to like 50, 60K to kind of double. doesn't make sense. But I would bet on, I'd bet, let's say a thousand pound on Ethereum. And if Ethereum went from 800 pounds to 10,000 pounds, it's worth my time. And it's money I've forgotten about. It doesn't really make a difference if I lose or not. Um, but I, I wouldn't put into Bitcoin personally. I think there's more growth opportunity in um, in um, Ethereum based on the, the level of amount I'm, I'm investing into it. So if I was investing, maybe the, the, the what the Bitcoin is worth today, and it went to 100k. Let's say I bought it for 30, 40 current, and it went to 100k. Yeah, that's great. But for me, if, if Ethereum went, I bought it for Ethereum for 800 pounds, and it went to 100k. That's again. That's for me. That's way better, um, and I don't need that money. So, I, I wouldn't mind putting something into it. But I'm, I'm, I'm keeping tabs on it. Let's say that I, I will probably buy one coin. I'm probably gonna suck into it and just say because I fear of missing out. <laughs> but Alfred, don't dilute on property. Do not dilute your attention, mate. I love physical nah, nah. assets that I can touch, hug, yes, kiss, and feel. Yes, yes, Even if they yes. drop in value, they're there for me to touch. Yes, I agree. Hundred percent agree. And on that note, Alfred, thank you so much for joining me on the J2 Hub podcast. I'm going to put all your social media links in the in the notes of the podcast when it gets released. I'm hoping to have it out this week, actually. So the end of this week, I want to get it out. And um, obviously, people just need to search your name on the socials and you pop up. Yeah, no, it's been amazing, James. Thanks for having me on here. It's been real good fun. And I hope you guys got loads of value out of this as well. Because uh, Yeah, I think a lot of gems have been dropped here for sure. Thank you so much again, Alfred. Thanks for tuning in to the J2 Hub podcast with James Sahota. If you like the podcast, feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from James. And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.